there's a lot of little things that a school or a city can do fairly quickly. Improved crosswalks, for example, or curb cuts were the ones that's missing. So we've asked them to focus on that three-block challenge around each school. Because if we're going to get kids to do this, that needs to be the priority. And then build out from there. You know, if you're going to prioritize where to build sidewalks, start with the school zone. And then eventually those circles start to connect. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and There's so many before schools. You, before, you're right, before you know it, you've covered a pretty significant portion of a community or a city mm-hmm. with really simple changes. You know, high visibility crosswalks and curb cuts and red curbs where there aren't red curbs to keep cars away from those intersections. Really simple stuff. Curb ramps, you know, they're ADA compliant. The cities pretty much need to do this anyway. L.A. could be driving this train. They're mm-hmm. big enough and they're doing this stuff anyway. So if they just kind of reprioritize and refocus their attention, they could change things pretty dramatically. We've got um, Bike Talk on KPFK live stream. We've got uh, Nick, our co-host. My name's Don Ward your co-host nick richard is um i don't know i think he was supposed to call in or not i don't remember but um if he does he'll call in um we have in the studio with us jim shanman who is the executive director of uh an organization called walk and rollers and he's also the culver city safe routes to school coordinator 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 (laughs) <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to get that right. Huh? <laughs> I had doubts. You were right. Yeah, I wasn't going to get it right. Um, how are you doing, Jim? I'm fabulous, fortunately. Yeah? How'd you get over here? Uh, today was a car. Cause, car day. Yeah, it's that kind of a day. Yeah, that's fine. We're not going to feel guilty about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk about safe routes to school. We're going to talk about walking rollers. We're going to talk about local Culver City politics. And um, also, but first, let's talk about the fun stuff, which was the marathon crash ride. I saw you on that. That's yeah. cool. Thanks for coming out. Always a fun time. I think it's like my fifth year in a row and probably my sixth or seventh one all over. Always a good time. Right on. Yeah. So for those not familiar, we ride the marathon course at 4 a.m. as bike riders. And um, the city sort of tolerates it. The marathon people hate it. But they they tried to make it go away and it just didn't work. The community <laughs> prevailed. Too much love. Too much love. There's probably maybe five hundred to a thousand. Definitely a thousand. Yeah, definitely yeah. a thousand. Yeah. Okay, it's big. Yeah, and the 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 wheelie crew comes in the BMX. Now those guys are pretty young. You were talking about young riders that you haven't didn't yeah. see as many. I I saw a bunch, but. Um, Not quite as many this year. I think also it didn't get as much publicity, maybe, maybe. as it usually yeah. does, because there's usually some big meeting with the police happening, and then people are sort of interested by that. Right. But I don't think there was a meeting with the police this year. No, it seemed pretty chill in terms. I don't of even think the cops the were there. Were they? Or there were there were some, but there was no. Uh, they weren't leading the ride, or oh, they weren't. No, no, that. But they were on the course, you know, standing guard. Yeah, because we took a wrong turn immediately down Sunset. <laughs> yeah, I was in that group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were up in the front? Thanks a lot, man. Uh, yeah, not by design. just sort <laughs> of happened that way. Yeah, okay. And, um, yeah, it went down Sunset, and it finally got back on the course. 
and uh, generally stayed on course, which I was impressed with. I thought the course was actually better this year if it avoided the veterans. Is that part of the marathon too, where they avoid the marathon, the veterans? So, uh, administration, administration yeah. I honestly don't know. You know, it kind of goes over that bridge in that area. That's probably the roughest spot yeah, of the whole course. There's that chunk of Sepulveda and over the bridge where it's a little bumpy, but then it gets back on track and it's yeah, it goes up, It goes up a bunch of driveways and stuff, but this year mm. it didn't really do that. No, it? no. It was pretty clean. Yeah, that was cool. So yeah, it was. Good job, whoever, whoever <laughs> set that up. And then we get to Santa Monica and you have a big wall of uh, motorcycle cops shining their lights right at us and yeah. saying – all right, time to get out of here. You're done. Get out of here. That's, yeah. a total, that's exactly the, the vibe you get when you get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I took it more as like being a rock star. Like I was like, hey, thanks for the... The welcoming party? Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I feel like a rock star. Okay, we're out of here. Back home. Yeah, no, that's always a good time, man. Thank you for getting that thing going. How long ago was that? Ten years. So this was the 10-year anniversary. That was beautiful. Although it's... People have been crashing the course for a long time, so. You know, there was a time when it was actually official and it was part of the whole event. Yeah. Back in when it first started, those first five or ten years. Yeah, and I used to crash that ride. Yeah. No way I was going to pay 60 bucks. <laughs> the first one was free. Was it? Okay, yeah, good. I have, a metal, so I have a medal from that one. <laughs> okay. They, they, like, literally, they wanted cyclists out there on the course uh-huh. before the race just to kind of pump up, I guess. Yeah, why not? Vibe. Exactly. Everyone got a medal. We started at Universal Studios. Well, that, that was when it was more of a circular route. True. And True. Uh, then they changed it to a crosstown route, and they got rid of the bike ride, and everybody yeah. was like, hey, what's the big deal? We can ride across town. That yeah. One of the beauties of that ride is you get people out and they ride across town and they're like wow i did that yeah and then a lot of people have to ride back and they're bummer for them man (laughs) not really i mean you get to ride back along the course i saw the lead today like a sunday i got to see the the front of the marathon for once like that was pretty exciting yeah that's cool saw the the on hollywood boulevard that was pretty amazing that is cool yeah i mean we did it as a big loop so uh, Culver City down the course and back. Culver City down the course up, and up back. To, up to the course, then do the whole right ride and then into Santa Monica and back to uh, Culver City from there. Right on. Yeah. It's a good time. It's yeah. crazy because we leave at one thirty in the morning. There's like nothing else like this. <laughs> um, yeah, so walking rollers. That's You founded that, right? Correct. Yeah, about eight years ago. Okay, T- tell us about that organization. So it's, uh, yeah, so our focus is on uh, Safe Routes to School programming. So we work with schools throughout the whole L.A. area um, on education and encouragement, basically getting kids to be more active on their way to school as a way to encourage them to just not be in a car all the time. So we do a lot of pedestrian and bicycle safety education. Uh, we do the Safe Routes to School programming in school zones or with schools and communities. And then we do a lot of community events also where we're out in the public, maybe part of an event or perhaps just as a standalone teaching bicycle and pedestrian safety education. Right on. Uh, we just got a phone call. I'm trying to figure Already? out Already? Wow, is. look at us. <laughs> Impressive. You're on uh, Bike Talk with KPFK. Bike Talk on KPFK. Hey, it's, live stream. it's me. Oh, Nick? Nick. <laughs> hey Nick, how you doing, buddy? Hey Jim, good. Thanks. Uh, we might as well so, get yeah, our other caller in too. Here, hold on, Ternick, how you doing? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, we might as well get everybody on here. And uh, we're, we're doing this all remotely, even me and Jim. Jim's in another room completely. We're separated by two layers of glass because I don't <laughs> want him giving me coronavirus. Sure, sure. So, and Nick's at home with another likely uh, story of staying home because of coronavirus. Being with family. Oh, being boy. with family. <laughs> yeah, anxiety is high, so family is comforting. Yeah, which we'll talk about that in terms of public transportation. But, okay, we got Nick Richard and... Ternick, Ternick, let's go for it. Let's do the news with Ternick. All right. Um, so I got three headlines for you guys. Um, so for a few weeks in a row, large biking infrastructure projects have been making headlines. So the first uh, was Mayor Anne Hidalgo of Paris. She announced that if she was reelected, she would make every street in the city bike friendly. And that's this in Paris. This effort would be a part of a larger ambitious goal of transforming Paris into a 15-minute city where you can find everything you need within 15 minutes from home. Okay. And then the second uh, big project uh, is, uh, you know, so sometimes often we hear these projects coming out of Europe and we think it's only Europe that uh, can use bikes. That, that is definitely not the case. So with uh, skyrocketing obesity and increasing cycling deaths, the mayor of Fortaleza, Brazil's fifth largest municipality, has dramatically increased the city's cycling infrastructure from 68 kilometers to 263 kilometers. That puts a bike lane within 300 meters of 40% of all residents there. Wow. And then the third uh, piece of news um, is that England, uh, England's conservative government, you know, not even the liberals, the, the conservative government said that they will be investing a billion dollars in safe biking and walking infrastructure uh, with over 250 miles of new high-quality separated cycle routes, safe junctions, as well as low-traffic neighborhoods where pedestrians will be prioritized over cars. And then just to kind of uh, contrast that with the U.S., where we have so many self-described climate mayors, and we rarely see such bold and comprehensive plans here. So uh, just something to think about. Yeah, those, um, you know, I thought we were going to have some good news about about the United States, but I guess I guess that's not, that's not happening yet. <laughs> We're just contrasting was, uh, with utopian society. Uh, months ago, um, Mayor de Blasio, I think, did announce about a billion dollars um, uh, for, for biking infrastructure over several years. Folks, so if we want a little bit of positive light, uh, that, that is, uh, it was a little bit outside the time frame of these headlines, but that's definitely something uh, right to look forward to. When is it going to happen for Los Angeles? What do we got to do? We gotta, we, this is the whole purpose of this radio show is we're here to heckle for stuff. We want stuff here in Los Angeles that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I and, think, um, and if I was impressed for time, I, I definitely could, um, could uh, stay in the conversation. Um, uh, the, there's definitely things going on, so maybe that can be the topic for uh, another um, yeah. uh, conversation. We'll have you back for World Bicycle News um, next time. Sounds good. Bike Talk. And I will, I will have more time to stay on. Okay, sounds good, man. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All Thanks. right, take care. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Ride safe. Nick, are you still there? Yeah. Nick is the founder of Bike Talk. He's been going for 10 years on this show. So Think about it. We got 10 years with Bike Talk, yeah. 10 years for the marathon ride, and we're in our 10th year of doing programming. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. With Walk and Rollers, 10-year yeah, anniversary. Eight, eight years of officially as an organization, but personally I've been doing this for 10 years. Wow. 
Well, yeah. thank you. So you think yeah. about like t- how things changed so dramatically right then, 10 years ago. That means that the kids you were teaching 10 years ago are now, how old, is the, how old are they? Well, the my, uh, 16 and a half. Uh, uh, as a quick example, my daughter was in second grade when we did our first event, our first activity, and she's now a junior in high school. So the age range of somebody that you would focus on with Walk and Rollers is? We, we focus on K through 8, so it's 5 to about 12 or okay. so, maybe 14. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of those kids are now teenagers. They're teenagers in high school, hopefully practicing some really good habits. Um, I talk about this a lot. My daughter is a prime example. She uses transit whenever possible, visits friends by bus. We have a bus stop three blocks from our house. She uh, trains. She's taking the bus from Culver City down to little Tokyo in downtown L.A., um, right now, getting a driver's license is not top of mind. She's got other priorities. And, yeah. You know, when, when she was 15 and a half, the license was really big, it, the excitement. Yeah. And then that faded when she realized she really didn't need one. And there's more important things in her life right now than dealing with that. Huh. And, and you said how old is she now? 16 and a half. 16 and a half, yeah. Okay. I mean, a car, you know, that's expensive. It's expensive, yeah. So we've laid out what that means. And, you know, she'll probably go to college in a year or so. So... She really doesn't need one right now. Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah. she's figured that out on her own. You know, I often think that they shouldn't, they should, you should be 21 when you get a driver's license, really. Yeah, or at least 18. 18, you know? yeah. yeah. that makes sense. But 21, mm-hmm. you know, the drinking, the driving, 18, you're voting. It makes no sense to be able to drive. It's such a heavy responsibility. Yeah. And you can't vote. <laughs> I, I guess with voting, when, when you, whenever you can vote, then you can drive. Yeah. If you I go would, in the military, yeah. then you can drive. Yeah, I, that would be a good parallel. Yeah, okay, 18. Yeah, keep them off the streets. Jim. <laughs> yes. Did, did, you, did you describe what you do? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, we got to rewind all the way back to that. Nick, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> uh, I can recap that if you like, Nick. Um, yeah, we already talked nice. about walking rollers sure for your yeah. li- for your listening and dining pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> we're here. We're but here I, to serve you, I, Nick. I um, do have a question about uh, coronavirus. Oh my God! Wow, you're gonna you're gonna go right to we, that. I know. We <laughs> <laughs> Nick, bless Damn. your heart, Nick. Let's talk coronavirus. Right, What's bring, happening? Bring it on. Uh, they, Wait, they've, you, they've 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 covered, they suspended the elections. Covered, you can't go to Europe. Now what? Disneyland? Done. People are buying toilet paper everywhere. Gone. Okay, done. Guys, uh, Jim works with schools, and schools have stopped all programs. Correct. Including safe routes to school. Correct. Wow. But, you know, I mean, our our programming and our interactions with the schools, it's literally, it's been a very fluid week. We're literally every day and yesterday and today, every hour, Situations changed. You know, schools monitored the situations and their circumstances, and they laid out plans and trying to communicate with parents and not freaking everybody out, trying really hard not to outright cancel everything uh, until it became obvious that's what they needed to do. And so our programs, the ones that were on campus, we knew those were going to at least be put on hold if not canceled because those clampdowns of having outsiders come to campus and large assemblies and gatherings were... Those are already kind of going on the outs. But the other aspects, like walking school buses, you know, if, the, if school is in session, there's no reason the kids can't con- and the schools can't continue their walking school bus programs. And so we're making plans now, making sure that the schools we're working with have all their information and all their, their, 
stuff in place so when the schools do go back in session when they feel ready to launch again they're ready to launch there's it's not it's been disruptive but not more disruptive than it has been for the families that are suddenly you know they're going to spend next week not in school and they're fully expecting to be in school so our disruption is minor compared to what these families are going through there's an LAUSD yeah. shutdown though right it starts like, monday so yeah what are parents going to do well, you know, spring break was right around the corner anyway. So really for those families, it's one extra week of figuring that out. Okay. Um, and they let them know today. So hopefully they'll have the weekend to figure that out. But yeah. that will be a hardship for a lot of families. There's some families that are going to roll with it. They'll look at it as an extra week off. But if you're in a lower income disenfranchised community where childcare is a burden cost-wise, next week is going to be brutal. Hmm. There's no way around that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, let's see. I, yeah, I, it's unfortunate. Know, I'm trying to figure out if this is the real deal because, you know, they're sort of like, well, we're closing down small assemblies, but it's like amusement parks, like Universal Studios right over here. Are they closing down? I have not heard. You yeah, know, I haven't every, heard every, that either, Everybody yeah. was waiting for Disneyland, so I'm sure, just like <laughs> everybody was waiting for LAUSD. So once LAUSD in San Diego shut today, everybody else followed suit. Uh, you know, Culver City was hours behind that. Disney, Disneyland, you saying shut down because of the schools? No, like Disneyland closed down queue? because of, no, Disneyland mm-hmm. closed down because of the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I mean, tonight's like, actually their last night until the end of the month. And I wonder what's going on with Universal Studios and not the Berry Farm. Are they going to do it too? Magic Mountain? I, That's a wild they, shutdown, right? If they don't, they're foolish. Right, they you could know. get sued. Perhaps that's a liability. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure what they're waiting for. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they're yeah. waiting. You have a laptop. It's a lot right of money. There, so. <laughs> there's a lot of money to be made. For there this there weekend, is, but there's probably. a lot less to be. You know, no one's going to go out anyway. So, how much money are you really going to make? It probably will yeah. cost more to operate the park for the few visitors than the money you're going to make off them coming. You think people are going to bail out, huh? Really? Yeah, I think the message of avoiding large cl- crowds. Like once, once the NBA shut down. Yeah. I think the word got out that this is for real. And once schools started shutting down because they don't want large gatherings, that messaging gets out to parents. And so if yeah. anybody ignores that, if they go, oh, you know, the NBA, they're just nuts. Baseball, they're just nuts. My school district is nuts. I'm going to go where there's 2,000 people yeah. um, and buck the odds. Uh, you know, you can't fix dumb, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that's where you got to plan for dumb, right? <laughs> that's a <the> big argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know. Uh, that is the real crux well that's natural selection in progress of design i mean that goes into so many levels of society right like street design you gotta like there's the big argument like well people gotta slow down and drive better and you're like well people are generally not doing that right yeah i I (laughs) it's like so then you gotta design better right? right like that's why like things like the curb extensions that we see in neighborhoods are so effective because people don't want to slow down and go around the corner, but that's the only way right. to navigate that. And that's and they complain about it. Well, I have to go so slow. That's exactly the point. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. You have to design for that, that lower common denominator. Yeah. We're yeah. trying to find that sweet spot somewhere where people can be responsible enough, but we also have safe designs. I'm betting on Costa Rica. Costa Rica. I'm just saying you got to go somewhere where the people are calmer and a little <laughs> smarter and you don't have to worry about designing a, uh, a city around the lower denominator. You can design around common sense. Now, I've not oh. been to Costa Rica, so I don't know. But I'm oh, I thought you had plans to go there for the, <laughs> the meltdown, uh, maybe the coming day. collapse. Maybe in retirement age. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Well, we've definitely diverted uh, pretty far <laughs> off the topic, but uh, Nick, do you want to take us any further out there? Well, Nick, what were your thoughts uh, on the virus? <laughs> you, you brought us to the virus thing, yeah. so. Nick, you've single-handedly Hijacked derailed us. us. Yeah, like <laughs> you've infected you've our infected program. Our <laughs> <laughs> no, now we're just going well, for some it. People, some people are saying that, uh, in a way, this is correcting you know, I'll, w- correcting. Uh, this is our comeuppance. This is capitalism's well, comeuppance. Okay. <laughs> so this is bite talk, right? <laughs> I just want to make sure uh, I'm in the right studio. Nick, you're the one that's always yelling at me for getting off of the bike topic. <laughs> People have been, you know, driving uh, from very far away. To go to work, and yeah. now maybe people are having to explore telecommuting, and once they do, you know they're not going back. I, I want I I very very much want to believe that's true because we've said that's for a long time. As we you know we fight for bike lanes and we fight for safe routes to school funding and programs, and you know the, we talk about bus lanes and micro transit and mass transit and how effective those can be in changing traffic patterns. But I personally believe that. We, what we haven't tapped is the corporate field and get them to shift their hours, work from home, you know, um, figure, figure other things out other than driving to work and being there from nine to five. And this demonstrates so clearly what happens when corporations say, hey, stay at home. You know, even though we've spent the last 30 years telling you you can't do your job from home, <laughs> <laughs> we, we now feel that you can and people have and traffic patterns have changed dramatically and if L.A. As of the, the coronavirus. Absolutely. The last week, you can see it on every highway, every boulevard that's out there. It's quieter. It's calmer. It's a whole different animal. You're, Nick, you're, you're spot on on that. Um, if L.A. is really serious about their great streets and being proactive, this is what they need to seize on and get the corporations to do this all the time, not just when the Olympics are here for two weeks, not just because there's a virus around, but because it's the right thing to do for health and safety across the board, and it costs them nothing. <laughs> well, what do you think about this? Like, what about the social impact of not having to be in a place that you hate around, surrounded by people that really annoy you? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that, that's the, ben- the benefit. You know, and people would look at that the other way also. You know, yeah. that social interaction. Yeah, I think it would, I was being <laughs> facetious, but actually works, I really like being around people. Yeah, it works both ways. Yeah. But, you know, one day a week working at home is probably very mentally healthy. Right? There's, right, you can work for an hour, do an errand. Work for an hour, do an errand. You're probably gonna be more productive in those hours you're working and do eight hours of work I'm and gonna be four on or Facebook five hours the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be work, uh, you know. And you can be super productive, but more importantly, is your morale goes up and productivity in general will go up. And again, if businesses recognize this and take advantage of it and develop literally develop programs around this. They can single-handedly, well, not single-handedly because there's thousands of companies, but as a corporate structure, change the traffic patterns in our city. Huh. And, you know, right now is a great time, for example, to get out and bike, right, and, and explore these streets. It's almost like Ciclavia out there. Uh, really, it's, the, uh, I mean, I'm out in deep in the valley, so I don't really <laughs> yeah. see anything. But yeah. you're telling me in Culver City, Venice Boulevard is like, you can notice my office overlooks Venice Boulevard at Helms. We're literally in between the 10 freeway and Robertson. Uh-huh. And every morning, you can see it jammed up going westbound. And every evening, it's jammed yeah. up going eastbound. And it's a horrible intersection backed up 
for half mile in either direction. <laughs> Not this week. Get out of here. <laughs> you should do a little video on that. Can you guys film it? Uh, yeah. That would be an amazing it would be, comparison, it would be interesting right? To show, yeah, it would, yeah, it would be, yeah. Because, you know, usually in the mornings, that intersection is blocked up with cars and pedestrians have to play Frogger. Mm. With cars that aren't moving, they're just parked in the crosswalk or the intersection. But this week, no. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's a definitely a, a different dynamic, and it's a great learning spot, right? It's a, it's. it's I, wonder, I wonder how the subways are doing. I'm so. Isolated. I would imagine mass transit's not doing great because no. I mean, you know, that's, that's not freaky. a healthy environment. Yeah, it's not where you necessarily want to be. Um, now, <laughs> it's a, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it's already something where you're sort of like, don't want to put my hand right there. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> So we're not going to go there. But, uh, yeah. you know, so, I mean, transportation in general, the whole thing has been flipped on its head yeah. this mm. last week. And mm. um, there are good lessons to be learned there. Uh, so, Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Nick, you're phoning yeah. it in this time. <laughs> you really phoned it well, in. But this is an example of what we're talking about. I mean. Yeah, we're, we're now. This I, is disheveled and disjointed that we're not all in the same room, right? Or well, is this is good? Same room. But I didn't drive. You didn't drive. That's true. We're in the same space. We're not going to be able to do our um, little uh, experiment, oh. the uh, hypermiling experiment. Nick and I were so Don and I. Yes. <laughs> we we hypermile on the way on the way out of the studio. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, know, so the virus the virus yeah. has definitely disrupted a lot of things. You know, our programming has been put on hold, but not permanently. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to use the time to develop more educational materials. And that's a good thing. Um, eventually, things will get back to normal. We'll be back on track. I'm not worried about us. I'm mm. not. When it comes to schools and what their priorities are, as valuable as our programming is, the you know the welfare welfare and the education of the students is obviously most important. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 waiting on words and you know getting confidence back from the schools, but that's weeks away. Okay. And well, what about schools? Are uh, exploring online learning right now. And one of the uh, the drawbacks or the obstacles is, is that I heard a quarter of the students don't have Internet, but that may mean that we just need to provide universal broadband. Oh, that's all that stuff that Bernie's talking about, that free stuff. We wow, can't man. talk about that. So you're just going <laughs> to drive us into broadband <laughs> access. Um, so I, I think you know, it's an interesting point, though, Nick. Um, you know, uh, you know, at our high school, for example, they're off next week, um, and, and the high school is prepared to do online learning with the students, and there'll be definitely some of that going on. Um, does this teach the schools to embrace that going forward so that they can keep the schools from students from going to school every single day, or do they look at this as an anomaly, and come May, they'll be right back to where things were? That's a really, I think some progressive schools might take a serious look at this. I, I feel like that's going to be a sad dystopian future if everybody just stays home. Like some of the best memories in life are like at school, you know, and with some your of friends, the worst making friends. In life are at school. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, but no, I mean, but it's the same. You're thing. interacting. It's, you're learning how to. Yeah. You know, really, we're going to have everybody be at home. Well, you know, I don't see this well, as like every day being at home online instead of being in a classroom. I think there's a classroom dynamic and a social emotional dynamic that's imperative for kids growing up. Mm-hmm. But if a high school can figure out, uh, you know, one day a week, every Friday or every other Friday, like cities do, 
the kids stay home, they do online learning. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. That might be a really positive thing. The kids might love that. Yeah. Four day weeks, they get to stay in their pajamas. Uh, <laughs> you know, seriously, it's it's that many fewer cars coming to school. So yeah. the solve is to rather than it's a teaching moment. Hmm. Okay, and we stay home. We don't travel. That's the solve. Uh, Sometimes, every okay, once yeah. in a while. I mean, yeah. our our mantra is each block and every day you don't drive makes a difference. So yeah. that's once a month, twice a week, every day, whatever. It makes it it matters, right? Yeah. So if you can get half the students to not travel to school every other Friday, that's a noticeable difference in powder, traffic patterns as well as pollution around the schools. And it's absolutely something schools should explore, and they could use this time as a benefit, as a way to experiment with that and see what happens when. Hmm. So, Nick, you were a teacher. What do you think about that? Our schools have been on the uh, the model that started when you know it, it, we took summers off for farming, and <laughs> we have not changed it. And and then then the industrial revolution happened. Let's go through the whole history of teaching first. Just all this time, you know, we're building these buildings that are like three hundred million dollars, I guess, average to build. Yeah. And then you know all of the emissions that go into that, and then we're we're driving to them, yeah. all of the emissions that go into that, yeah. and we have the technology to decentralize it. We could be learning from home, and the biggest argument against it is social. That's the biggest argument against it. But, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, edu- with like, the academic subject. We'll find other so, reasons well, to get social. As a, as a, that's, a, that's an interesting point, Nick. So as a teacher, um, do you think that social element... Um, relates to educational or academic achievement, or do you think it's irrelevant? Sure. No, it does. But like Don was it just said, that we can find other ways to well, socialize. I mean, I you, might, you might you might be saying that. I, I know, think on a societal ways. level, one of the benefits of school is that you're mixed up with a bunch of random other people. And you develop relationships because that's like a microcosm of the world. Yeah, you're, and you're for, being you're, prepared yep. for the world. You're forced to deal with it. Yeah, you got to okay. deal with it. Okay. Um, well, what about your block? Your block is multi generational, which you do not get at school, right? I mean, what if everybody on your block was home? Well, um, but we'll see if I mean, people. If if people were more dynamic in today's world and were out in their neighborhoods like they were when I was a kid, I would totally agree with you, Nick. But today it seems like more kids stay inside more often and they're not out and about and they're not interacting like they were. And I'm not sure how much, I mean, my, my block is extremely diverse. Um, but is that true for most neighborhoods? Yeah. Mm, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and also some blocks are not that dense, you know. Like, and they're not that safe. And they're not you that you safe. You don't want the kids out there running amok, playing Whatever it was they play. I mean, it's a miracle I'm still alive. I hear that, dude. <laughs> somehow, Jim, you're the same generation. It's like yeah. somehow. Uh, <laughs> we survived the 70s. Yeah. You know, when we had streetlights that went on, your parents literally said, just be back when the streetlights are on. And you wouldn't see uh, them for six, seven hours. And we had it. I was on a fairly large street. It was like six lanes or something. And what, dude? We were skateboarding. In traffic, <laughs> like, <laughs> I would never allow my kids, right? Yeah, to do that. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, I've been thinking about that a little bit because it's like, 
our parents grew up without that. They didn't have a six-lane highway they lived on, and they didn't have the kind of access to things that we have access now. So they didn't know the trouble we could get into. We've lived through that. The trouble we got into <laughs> is not trouble we want our kids to get into. So now when we clamp down, they're like, well, you didn't do that when you were a kid. Yeah, I know, because I know what we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, I wouldn't have kids skateboarding in six lanes of traffic because that's just crazy. It was fun. Yeah. Start at the top of Barham and then skate down to... Don't make me tell you the death story of skateboarders that have died doing things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if anybody in our group... But it was the neighborhood kids, you know? Yeah. We, we were free-range kids. It's not like that anymore. Hmm. So I think that... And back to the point, I don't know. I personally believe that there's a lot of value in mixing thousands of kids together. I agree. Yeah. That's why, you know, to me, just like everything, it's not an either or. It's an mm-hmm. and, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be stay at home and learn only online, go to school and learn only in a classroom. Why not mix it up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, we say this all the time as well. If, if at any given school, every parent picked one day they didn't drive to school, mm-hmm. you could reduce the traffic going to that school by 20% on any given day, right? You got five days, so you divide mm-hmm. your population, right? Um, why can't high schools do that? Why can't certain days be you know half days and why not just it doesn't have to be all or nothing you could mix it up so you can learn at home at certain times or certain classes or maybe everyone goes for two hours instead of eight hours or every other friday like i mentioned i think there's alternatives out there and i think it's worth exploring and i think this is right now we're going through as much of a crisis as it is is also a learning opportunity and cities would be well benefited by giving that a go yeah. Did you hear about the uh, webinar that Curbed LA had today with Salita Reynolds, uh, LA's DOT head, and Anna Cohen? I think she's something to do with New York City's LA DOT, and they had a webinar. They were going to have it at South by Southwest, but mm-hmm. since South by Southwest was canceled, they they did it online. Oh, cool. And, um, did you watch it? They brought up. I listened to. Yeah, I came in a little late, but I listened to. Part of it, and and they had they made some points. Like uh, one thing, I think it was Salita Reynolds said was that what if streets were designed like by OSHA? Like you would you have <laughs> right? You'd have rubberized curbs. Yeah, <laughs> plastic I, streets. I, I've definitely <laughs> used that analogy before, where it's like if you had a warehouse and somebody kept getting killed at a certain aisle, you know, of the warehouse by the you know, you know, by the forklift operator, that company would revise their policy immediately about, you know, they would definitely implement safety measures. They wouldn't just keep letting that happen like the LADOT does when they have crashes at an intersection. So that's interesting. Yeah. What if, what if we did have OSHA involved in our, and what was the answer? What did Saleta say? Was she? Well, it was just one of the, points that 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 she made was that you know would you have a two-ton speeding metal object next to unprotected people right you know within feet of feet of them yeah you wouldn't um and another thing i wanted to talk about was a 12 year old pedestrian was just killed on his way to school this week um oh and another thing that they mentioned was that they would have workshops and and about the high people in the high injury network and say, how many minutes would you be willing to add 
to your commute to save lives? This uh-huh. is one of the questions in the, uh-huh. in the workshop. And some people put down uh, none, none, uh-huh. you know, and some people put down, you know, three. <laughs> and some people put I think down it's important any, to put a value you know, on that, yeah. I totally um, so, I I love yeah. that analogy. Where where can we find this? Is there like a calculator somewhere, like a website that they put <laughs> up where you could do that? Take more uh but data you, in from people. That's but it's an interesting question. I mean it's putting a value on your commute, right? Yeah. Like how many lives are you willing to risk to save five seconds off your drive? Yeah. Yeah, I I I did that. I, I trolled. That, that, that's a T-shirt to be made. There 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 was that um, that Mike Bonin uh, recall sort of era where they they were trying to reverse the Venice safe streets, and you know there was this big town hall, you know, a big big uh, council meeting, and Bonin was there, and like a zillion people showed up, both for and against this road diet. But the people that were for it had, or against it, were they had green shirts. They were really organized, and I completely trolled them. I mean, I tried to do it a little bit better than what, what I'm about to say. But it was just like everybody that's against this road diet, stand up right now, and it'd be like, none of us care how much time you save on your commute. We don't care how many lives we save. We want our lane back. You know, it was just like make everybody look like a jerk yeah i mean that's it's it's those visual reminders you know (laughs) people don't want to even give up 15 20 seconds yeah it's crazy i think they don't believe it i think they don't believe the statistics yeah 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 that people would say zero we didn't mention the town hall thing they banned that stable type of meeting now because of how easy it was to be hijacked by these by the opponents that's true really they banned that I didn't hear anything about yeah, it, but it's totally possible. I mean, I was at a recently at a community meeting on Skag, not Skags, but the West Side Cogs transportation planning, and it was all display boards and staffers at each station. And I asked about that. I thought it was going to be a presentation with questions, and they tell me flat out they're not doing this anymore because it's too easy to get hijacked, uh-huh. you get distracted, you don't get to have meaningful conversations. You don't get the input that they're setting up the meetings to get in the first place. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I think about yeah. that. I've been to one of those meetings. Like they did that with the BRT, this, mm-hmm. the BRT at <clears throat> Nordoff. Yeah. And they had like I guess ten presentation boards around the room. Yeah. And it was sort of like, hmm, okay. But if you think about it, I mean, the whole purpose of those meetings is to get community feedback. And you spend the whole time defending a position, you're not really hearing from the other 50 people in the room. And so when you do the meetings like that, those people that want to sound off still have the opportunity to sound off. But Mm. the other stations get people to have conversations and activities. And you have different formats, right? You can engage in different ways, conversations, stickers, mapping, Mm -hmm. and you you reach people on different levels. And so there's actually a lot of sense. So this is like the classic, (laughs) the NIMBYs got what they wanted, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) Darn NIMBYs. So thank you for that. If you're a NIMBY out there, I appreciate it. You changed the dynamic of community meetings for the better. (laughs) Ha ha. Okay. All right. All right. I could accept that. I kind of like the rowdy... (laughs) <laughs> town hall thing too but yeah okay i've done both 
Yeah, the town and, hall uh, things, it's like one public comment after another where they're just like, right. Yeah, okay. So maybe that is better. Yeah, I totally think it is. It made perfect sense. There were a couple other things. I took notes. <laughs> okay. Um, one, one thing Nick, they talked I about like, was... I like your role here as like a call-in caller. That's pretty cool. I'm going to change that dynamic, though. We're going we're gonna to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> they talked about LADOTs. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't have access to parks. They don't have a park they can walk to. And so they had a program where they opened up their streets. Have you heard about this? Like mm. people would be able yes. to hang out, hang out in their streets more. Yeah, there's a couple of organizations that that was their whole mission, was to for like an, an afternoon, not not really a cyclovia, but take over like a block, and just open up for playtime. Um, I'm 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 blanking on the name, but it was something about play spaces. So that's one thing, and then yeah. they talked about shade as an equity issue. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people don't have sh- access to shade. Right. Can you, can you imagine the things we take for granted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see some of those public schools, especially out in the valley when I'm driving off the 170. There's one out there that just looks like, wow, this thing, the playground is completely unshaded. And it's Field of right asphalt. off the freeway. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's hotter than hell out there. I mean, I, went, I grew up in Woodland Hills, and that's how our playgrounds were. There's really? a sea of blacktop. That's crazy. Maybe a few trees around the perimeter. I have. You know, we didn't care then. You know, getting a suntan was all was all the rage, right? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I I think I had some shade at my school. Where did we go? We went to the park mostly for for PE because we didn't have a yeah. See, the, campus. Well, there's that also, right? There's a lot of trees. It was great. You went to a park. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I guess I was privileged. I didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah you don't think about that. Yeah. And um, I have other stuff. All right, give it to us, uh, Nick. The the, <laughs> the the rainbow the rainbow halo memorial. Okay. So I guess it's like a ghost bike, but they thought it would be more lasting. If it was a rainbow instead of a ghost bike. It's called a rainbow halo. It's one of the things they talked about. Who? Saletta and, and them? Yes, Yeah, It's like, okay, so they're going to, they're putting up their own memorial for ghost bikes. Like, they have to go through some bureaucratic decision-making process to put up some kind of memorial for bike riders that are killed, which I appreciate. But how about you go Earth through a bureaucratic process to put in some safe streets right there? You know, like, why don't you give us the, yeah. you know, Johnny Jefferson and Memorial Bike Lanes or Memorial well, Crosswalk mean, it, 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 Signal. Right. It, you it, know, it, like, it's, it's where's, where's your energy Put a little plaque, you know, right. right above the the beg button that says, this is here because somebody died. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it's funny how, or interesting, I should say, where people choose to spend their, their energy like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with advocating for it's, a yeah. bike memorial yeah. if that's what gets you going. Maybe the hope is that that will spur others to action to take on the big fight. But it's a little bit sad that we have to do memorials. It's a little bit sad that the people that can take action are the ones that are doing a memorial instead of, like, putting in a freaking crosswalk or something, you know? Like, 
Yeah, but everybody has their their triggers, right? And their solutions for that. So I'd rather have a bike memorial than nothing. I'd rather From have the a cross rock. Yeah. Well, but you know, it's the people that are going to push for that. So it's where do the people spend their energy pushing for what? I love the guys that like Danny, um, Danny Zuko, and you know, uh, the guys that do the ghost bikes, like Zachary Rainu. Yeah. They do the ghost bike, and then the LADOT's job, you would think, is okay. We got to put in a safety device here, so we don't have more ghost bikes. <laughs> yeah. But I guess they're going to join us and put up their memorials, and then we won't even do have to do ghost bikes. I yeah, guess they're saving us a little bit of. The tragic part about it is the, the risk of them saying, "Well, we gave you a ghost bike," you know, <laughs> wipe their hands. Yeah, yeah. Instead, oh, we did that. Instead okay. of doing again, it's either it shouldn't be an either or; it should be an and. Okay, great. We'll give you the memorial, but yeah. we'll also address the situation so it's only one memorial. Um, Another thing. Yes. Uh, the Vision Zero, the Green New Deal. Mayor Garcetti, go. So, um, so we like to see, yeah. So we we'll start on this. So we like to say that we're ground zero of Vision Zero, right? Walking rollers. Yeah. Because if the whole po- if the whole point is to develop, you know, a vision where people don't die, then you know you, you got to start with the kids. You got to teach them how to use these streets safely. You got to teach them how to use the infrastructure that's being built, and teach them to advocate for more. And so you know, a lot of people they're they, they push back on bike lanes or even curb extensions or a bus lane. And sometimes they're the older generation. And, you know, sometimes this infrastructure isn't – it's for them to use, of course, but it's not really for them. It's for the next generation. It's to build an environment where we can all take advantage of it and it's safer for everybody. Um, and teaching these kids how to use that is essential because without that, you know, you're building this stuff and it's, you're not going to make a, a change in dynamics or the systems. It, it's right. It's just going to stay where things are at. So I'm horrified when I go to conference meetings or discussions on what the streetscape should look like. And there's not a child in the room. Wow. It's like, you know, and, and it's never even occurred to a lot of organizers. It didn't even occur to me till a year or so ago to start doing that because these are the ones you're building it for. Let's get their input. Let's find out where we should do a crossing and what it's going to take to make them feel comfortable biking across that so they can get to school safely. Jim, you're like the Mr. Rogers of <laughs> the bike scene. I don't own a sweater, so. <laughs> uh, you're kind of dressed like you do have like a long sleeve. That could be like a bike, <laughs> bike-ish called, type I've, sweater. I've been but, called many things in my life. But Mr. I, Rogers of the bike scene. I love that. Okay, one. listen, I was just <laughs> watching the bike, the Mr. Rogers documentary last night on Hulu. <laughs> or could, HBO. And so. Can I have been the Tom Hanks of the bike industry? Well. <laughs> No, because Mr. Rogers was an extraordinary person. He realized that you start with the kids. Yep. And I I was so uh, taken with that movie. I, I got misty-eyed several times. Wow. And you're making me misty-eyed right now because you you're really you're really onto something. It does need to start with the kids. I mean, totally. To this day, I remember stop, drop, and roll. You know, from third grade. Yep. Our job was to make a little cartoon about stop, drop, and roll. Yep. And um, it stuck with me forever. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a presentation where we asked the adults how they got to school, and you know, half of them raised their hands because about walking and biking to school. And a lot of them will fondly remember going to the police station and doing the skills course there and getting a little sticker for their bike. They remember that. It sticks with you. You're, you're 100% right. 
And so, you know, the dynamics have changed a little over the last 30 years, but there's no reason we can't change that back. And if Vision Zero is going to take seed, if it's really going to grow, if that's really where the city wants to go, then they need to be investing heavily into the kids' education and building things for the kids and just literally ignoring those who are pushing back on it, saying, you know what, I get that you don't like it, but we need to do this. Right. Or we're going to kill these kids or nothing is going to change. We're going to have all this cool stuff, but the kids aren't going to use it because they're being taught not to. We need to change that dynamic. And, and that brings us to Safe House of School, too, because what you're talking about, uh, you know, your organization teaching the education, then we have the infrastructure with Safe House of School. Right. And it just feels like um, with, you know, I've been working on some of your materials for, for that. And, um, I, you know, there's that, what do they call the zone? What is that zone? That's called? our three-block challenge zone. Three-block challenge. Yeah. Where it's like you drop the kids off three blocks away from school and they walk the rest of the way with their parents or not, right? With their parents or not. And, and uh, it seems like that three-block radius needs infrastructure coming radiating from the school that says walk to school from this point on yeah exactly you know you, you we're actually trying that in culver city i have to give kudos to the the culver city public works department for for listening to this and and taking it on um we've talked about the three block challenge for years i mean just to give you a, a sense of where parents heads are at when we started this eight years ago I thought five blocks was reasonable. It's a half mile. It's a 15-minute walk. <laughs> Parents walk 15 minutes one way. They walk back to their car. They got their half hour of exercise. Five blocks seemed to make a really good sense. And parents push back on that. And mm. the studies bear it out. That's about a half mile. And that's exactly where parents start to think, oh, they do the math. Mm. They know what that means. Mm-hmm. When we talk about three blocks, they, they, that they can wrap the brains that's around. That's reasonable. And they realize they're probably already parking one or two blocks anyway. Mm-hmm. So... You know, that they can understand. So we, we focus on the three-block challenge, which is about 1,000 feet away from the school, which is expanding the school zone. And what we've worked on with in Culver City, as we've talked about doing changes in neighborhoods, there's a lot of little things that a school or a city can do fairly quickly. Improved crosswalks, for example, or curb cuts were the ones that's missing. So we've asked them to focus on that three-block challenge around each school. Because if we're going to get kids to do this, that needs to be the priority. And then build out from there. You know, if you're going to prioritize where to build sidewalks, start with the school zone and then go from there. Right. And they've embraced that. And the last, we've had some really productive meetings over the last year uh, where they have, they've come prepared with maps of schools where they've already identified this and said, we can do this with our budget right now. And we're going to slate it into the production mode. And we're going to work on another school in the next budget zone. And they're trying to do the stuff they don't have to go out to the big dollars for. Right. So they can make differences today, all based on that three-block area. And I brought this up in that community meeting. I was mentioning the Westside Cog, that if you do that at every school, huh. eventually those circles start to connect. Right, right, right. right? right, right. <laughs> and There's so many before schools. You, be, you're right, before you know it, you've covered a pretty significant portion of a community or a city mm-hmm. with really simple changes, You know, high-visibility crosswalks and curb cuts, and red curbs where there aren't red curbs to keep cars away from those intersections. Really simple stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, relatively simple, of course. Stuff that's not going to beat you over the head so much and, and you're gonna get, as a NIMBY. And you're not going to get pushed back. I mean, mm-hmm. no one's going to push back on a crosswalk. Um, uh, you get pushed back maybe on red yeah. curbs where there aren't red curbs. Yeah. Um, curb ramps, you know, they're ADA compliant. The cities pretty much need to do this anyway. 
they do cost money, but they don't cost grant-funded money. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the key. So huh. L.A. could be driving this train. They're mm-hmm. big enough, and they're doing this stuff anyway. So if they just kind of reprioritize and refocus their attention, they could change things pretty, pretty dramatically. Now, you work for Safe Routes to School for Culver City. Correct. The, the, the coordinator, you said? Safe Routes to School coordinator in there. So we're on a contract. We have contracts with several cities um, at doing projects. But with mm-hmm. Culver City, it's a little bit special. It's specifically as a Safe Routes to School coordinator. So that's my job. Um, I spend about a third of my time um, specifically on Culver City stuff. Who does that job for the city of Los Angeles? Um, Margo Conanus is probably, well, that's, she's the LADOT bike ped coordinator or mm-hmm. ped coordinator. So that would fill that role. I, I believe they have a coordinator, but a, a safe route school coordinator, but I'm, I don't think so. Um, Santa Monica does, a few other cities do as well. And LA doesn't. Okay. So that's like, but they have the bike, you know, they've got Margo and they've got, so they've got a bike coordinator. So yeah. they've got someone who's doing, overseeing that kind safe of stuff. Safe routes to school or yeah. bike stuff? Yeah. A little or bit both. of both, both. Yeah. I feel like we need someone dedicated to I would be willing to give up pretty much everything else if they just worked on safe routes to school. <laughs> like what you're saying. There's yeah. so many schools you yeah. finally get enough infrastructure in. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh um the city of Alameda is hiring one Don. So if they're looking <laughs> oh, for really? they really are. I just got the notice today actually. Do you think I'd be qualified for that? I yeah. Hmm. You might if you want to Where's the Alameda. city of Alameda? Oakland. Oh god. <laughs> I can't. I can't leave Los Angeles right now. I'm sort of trapped here. Um, <laughs> it, okay, so you know, is there a showpiece school that you have that they've already done some things, and you can show it's safer, it's easier? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because you know, curb cuts and crosswalks and curb extensions can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in Culver City, we have one school that's the whole neighborhood's been completed that way. Okay. They've done about 11 curb extensions, high visibility crosswalks, transform the, the walkability in the neighborhood, and there's a walking school bus that covers that route every wow. Friday. Okay. It's awesome. Um, in the evenings, it's traffic impacted. A walking school bus? A walking school bus, yes. Oh. So basically, they started a park about a half mile, maybe a little further away from the school. They walk a straight route to school, and they cross about 10 streets a you know a nice neighborhood and at every intersection other kids join in so they might start with a dozen kids at, at the beginning by the time they get to school they might have 50 or 60 in their entourage who's leading that volunteers are you one of those volunteers occasionally but mostly there's a team at that school that runs it uh-huh, a team of parents kind yeah of thing. exactly um god that sounds amazing it, it is. It really does sound like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and they're really, and it kind of is. And they're, they're, there's quite a few schools like that that are doing things. We're working with a couple other schools in Santa Monica. Uh, so um, we need to get, to those. we need to get like Streets Films to do a documentary on it. That'd and be fabulous. Bring that to LA DOT or some politician who will like bring it forward. Well, you know, I mean. Maybe we threaten John Lee. Like, yeah. hey, we'll stop heckling you for the hookers <laughs> and booze in Vegas if you do this. Yeah. <laughs> So the kids will ignore the the tragedy. Yeah. Um, you know, to LA's credit, they've got a, a they do have a safe routes to school program in place, and they're working with several schools. So mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to give the impression all that they're not because LA is trying. Um, LAUSD is a big beast, and yeah. you know, there's what 800 elementary schools, and so they're working with the highest risk ones, and they're working on getting these programs off the ground. They're challenging. Um, to do them, you need a volunteer force at every school that's doing it. Um, it's not going to grow on its own. And 
you know, every school is volunteer challenged and some of them do or don't have PTA. So there's all kinds of complications. Um, you know, we might spend a, literally a full year getting a school up to that point. Right. And so it's, it's, it's kind Which of, is actually a short timeline. For walking school bus, you would think it would oh, take months. Just just for the walking school bus, <laughs> just right? Just for I'm walking talking, school bus. Yeah. I was thinking crosswalks and all that yeah. stuff that, that have to precede the walking school bus, right? Correct. Well, no, they don't. Um, you know, the reason I do what I do, which is ed- education and encouragement focused, um, as opposed to the engineering or enforcement or that, is because we can make a difference tomorrow with or without that stuff. And you get a team of volunteers leading a group of kids to school you know, they'll identify where you need those crosswalks and those curb cuts, right? So is it Right. Better? If you get practice first, yeah. now we know where to put everything. Yeah. So, you know, we're moving forward with or without that great infrastructure. Okay. Um, we, don't, can't, we can't let schools use that as an excuse to not do this. So you right. form the volunteers and you, you, you use it. Hopefully you build that demand. The city takes action. They see where things are happening. Um, but, you know, kids should be doing this anyway, and they're probably doing it anyway already. I mean, you go to the inner city, the kids are walking to school because they don't have a choice. Right. So we're just trying to make it safer. And if we make yeah. it safer by doing it as a group, then great. If the city can make it safer by adding better infrastructure, better still. But, you know, to not have it is not an excuse to not do it. Are there ever scary moments on any of the walks? I mean, I know that a crossing guard was killed. Yeah. So the crossing, yeah. crossing guards, are, yeah, they, they absolutely help. But, um not in any of the programs that we've worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's definitely safety in numbers. It's difficult for cars that want to cut corners to do that when there's 15 kids in the intersection and another 20 coming up behind them. Um, if you've got volunteers, they're not directing traffic, but they're being visible in yeah. the intersection. Yeah. Um, I, I have no doubts that there have been incidences. I'm not aware of some directly and none that have gone happened mm-hmm. during our program or on our watch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i wonder if you could even just carry like some kind of a card that lets drivers know if you find a driver that's like being aggressive he's like hey man listen here Chill. this is what we're doing <laughs> we're just trying to get kids to school <laughs> right um <laughs> i, I want to hear the pushback on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no 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 yeah. you can't do that yeah um so, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny when you put eyes on the street, when drivers know they're being observed, they mm-hmm. back off. Mm-hmm. That's usually, mm-hmm. if, you, if you talk to any crossing guard, they'll tell you they'll get halfway across the street, they'll be directing traffic, but the first opportunity a car has to cut behind the kids or cut them off before they even get, they'll take advantage of it because they're you, impatient. You know, what's crazy is I, the LAPD encourages that behavior. There's a class that they, they encourage do. Encourage that yes, behavior? Yes, yes. I'll tell you about this class I took. Make sure you want to do that on air. Yeah, I'm gonna call the guy out too. Yeah, I, you know, I I actually talked to this guy. Uh, I've I've yeah, his name's Troy Troy Williams. He's a motorcycle cop, and he, you know, I took he it took this class. What the heck was it called? It was like a police academy for citizens. It was like really like they were offering it on this facebook group that's like a like a community group like west hills california or something like that it's like a big facebook group and they they offer this class to citizens to um you know uh get up to date on what the LAPD's doing you know and it's really more of a propaganda for the LAPD kind of thing <laughs> and i was like heck i'm going to do it just to meet some neighbors and whatever and i go and the classes are you know 
interesting, but it definitely was a propaganda thing. And then Troy Williams led a class on traffic, and I was really interested in that. So I, I was definitely there for that portion of the class. It was like an eight-week course. And he s- starts saying that, you know, as soon as the pedestrian clears the lane, you can drive. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, according to California law, the, this, this, and that. But it's like we have a police officer that is promoting wow. for you to drive disrespectful to i mean in my opinion you shouldn't go through the crosswalk until the pedestrian is clear my understanding has always been and i'm going to look this up now because i want to be clear on this is you know if the pedestrian is walking towards you the moment they step off the court curb they have the entire you have to wait until they cross completely they're walking away from you once they pass the middle of it you're clear to go so if you're stopped at a stop sign and there's a pedestrian on your right you have to wait till they get halfway across into the other half of the intersection before you're allowed to proceed. Uh-huh. Whereas if you're stopped at that same stop sign, there's somebody coming from your left side. Once they step off that curve, that intersection is theirs. And so you have to yield to them. You have to wait till they complete, finish crossing. Now I'm going to look that up because I can't believe an officer is giving bad direction. But I it's wish, possible I'm confused on it also. Uh, you know, it sounds kind of similar to what you're saying. It's just that he was saying... As soon, okay, I mean, you know, as soon as that person is cleared of the lane, you can go. So I'm going I'm to, yeah. I, I meet with our police officers fairly regularly. It I'm sounds very similar to what you're saying, though. Like, he could, he well, definitely made it clear that you didn't have to wait for the pedestrian to get right, to so. a safe space. And I was really offended by that. And I actually, I did raise my hand and ask probing questions to try to get him to at least acknowledge that it's a driver. Yeah. As drivers, we should be careful. Yes. You know, but, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, but it's, you know, it's incredible because when, when, when there's children involved and there's a crosswalk there, you know, I don't care what the actual law is. Yeah, wait till they're fully clear because they exactly. might turn around and run back or randomly. The, the crossing guard might cross them halfway and they might be walking away from you, but that crossing guard's coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, so, just like, so just, you know, it, there's that question again. How much time are you willing to take off your commute to right. save a life? Well, in this right. case, we're talking 15 seconds. Yeah. So back off, guys. Um, but where I was going with this is uh, if you're – I've been on these intersections before and I've had conversations with the crossing guards and I've observed that if I'm there with a safety vest doing nothing other than I just happen to be wearing it for some other activity, (laughs) drivers behave completely differently. Really? The crossing guard will do his crossing and they've come back and said, wow, it's amazing they didn't cut me off. And I realized just having that physical appearance, looking somewhat official, um, are extra eyes on the street and the drivers know that. Yeah. And now the, the crossing guard's back might be turned, but there's another guy yeah. who's watching. People don't like to be observed doing the right. wrong thing. Right. So we're we're launching a program in Culver City, actually called the Green Vest Program, to do exactly that, to just put extra eyes on the streets, put people in, volunteers <sighs> in vests, to do nothing other than walk the neighborhood. <laughs> we actually and, have and, to and, do this. And make drivers aware that they're being observed. We We have to do this. This is how sad our society is, yeah. is that we have to do this. So, yeah, schools will often say, you know, how do we fix the driver behavior? I mean, it, you need a clipboard and a safety vest, it, literally. And they laugh, and then I explain to them that this is all you really need. Wear a safety vest, get a clipboard, put nothing on the clipboard. 
<laughs> so you know you're not you're not being accused of documenting. Don't let, don't let the cat out of the bag. Just though. just hold the clipboard, put a safety vest on, and just stand at the intersection. Why not document it? Screw it. Let's let's take it the extra step because write down a license well plate. i mean you know this don you know there's how many aggro drivers are out there that are going to see you jotting something down they'll think it's a license plate number they're going to get out of the car and you know have at it with you you don't want to go there. i've had that happen actually i was working <laughs> on an action exactly and i was filming the intersection where drivers were driving in the bike lane to pass cars yeah and um this guy saw me and he came back there you go I come back. Good. I took some time out yeah. of your day. And yes, I did see you do that. And yes, it is on film. Too bad. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but you can, so you can imagine if you're a parent and you're just that guy observing, you know, you don't want to put them in that position where they're having an altercation or risking an altercation. They're yeah, just, what would you, I mean. So what's on their clipboard will be <laughs> things like, you know, we'll collect data, like, uh, you know, how many kids are crossing mid-block, how many uh-huh. people are running the stop sign. Oh, so you are collecting some, some data. Some data. And we'll so have you will get a driver that comes back. Possibly. And they'll ask <laughs> to see what's on the clipboard, and you show them that it's nothing, really. But we'll also have information packets or, like, a brochure they uh-huh. can easily hand to a driver and just say, hey, just when you get a minute, read this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe save a life next time. That's a good way to do it, yeah. yeah. But also, you know, you got to think if if – that person stops to have even a five-second conversation with you. They're now causing more backup, and they're actually exacerbating, you know, exaggerating the problem of cars backing up and idling and kids getting out in the middle of the intersection. It's better to just not let them stop. Just hmm. make note of. The I mean, they'll find a parking spot and they'll come back. Yeah, they should have done that in the first place and walk the kids to school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. All of this stuff. I mean, if they have time to do that, then they have time to drop their kid off a couple blocks away. Yep. That's, that's our belief anyway. So we're going to experiment good with stuff. this. stuff, yeah. It's challenging. Our job is harder than you would think because parents, uh, they don't want to do this. You know what else we got to get you guys is hair dryers. I've heard that. Aim it at cars. I'm dying to try that. There, there's that <laughs> video of that woman that did that, right? Yeah. And it worked. And in our area, you know, we live in a really quiet neighborhood, but people do speed through there unnecessarily. Yeah. I would love to stand up there. <laughs> Use a hair like, driver as a fake get a little, speed. Get like a little red LED light so it looks like it's on. Just kind of, you know, point it at people. Oh, man. Yeah. Good times. This is This is what we have. This is the world we've been given, and we have to... Work with it until we can change things in the government. Yeah, and so, culture. Yeah. so here's a philosophical question for you, Don. Because uh, <laughs> I, I know you probably haven't thought about this, but you've done enough advocacy work that this will totally relate. Um, and I only discovered this in the last six or seven months. I have a friend in our office building who's from Europe. She's been in the country for 30 years. She's a citizen, but originally from Germany. And we were doing our fundraiser last winter, and she also does some bookkeeping for us. So, you know, we know each other fairly well. And I asked her about donating and where she stands on this. And she doesn't donate to anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she doesn't appreciate the work. Mm-hmm. It's just not her culture. Because mm-hmm. in Germany, like in most of Europe, they don't have nonprofits that do this kind of work. Right. It's taken care of by the nanny state. Right. So <laughs> it brought up a really interesting philosophical standpoint from our point of view. Do nonprofits like us exist because the government can't do this work or because they won't do this work? I mean, nonprofits exist because the people that run our government don't want the government to do that work. They've actively worked against any, from what I can see in local politics, NIMBYs, everything, they don't want 
this. They want like, well, they, it's, they, uh, and they even say it. They say like, oh, we we have uh, nonprofits that. Right. take care of homeless i mean you know i sure. don't know about transportation i haven't really heard anything about that but i definitely see in the argument threads it's like we have nonprofits that do this kind of work we don't need the government to do this kind of work you know? which is you know like the vast majority of our funding is government funded <laughs> really that's hilarious oh, yeah. yeah yeah they're they're mostly transportation contracts you know caltrans or the federal government will do a call for projects and then cities will apply They'll be awarded the monies, and then they hire us to do the work. So, so people say, we have nonprofits to do this. Right. Why do we need to pay for it? Well, you're paying the nonprofits yeah. to do this, so why doesn't the government just do it anyway? And I guess in a sense they are. You know, but if you, know, if you think about it, if California, for example, had an army of 100 people that did Safe Routes to School programming, and they just paid those people to do <laughs> our job mm-hmm. rather than do million-dollar grant funds— I wonder if that would be more effective to have staff. Florida does this. Their DOT staffs Safe Routes to School throughout the whole state. Okay. So they have mm. a pretty robust Safe Routes to School program. Ironically, Florida is also one of the deadlier states for pedestrians. And okay. Well, see, there so, you go. The, okay. But, but, how the much, argument, but how much worse would it be if these people weren't doing the hard work that they are doing is where I was going. The, the argument the that through. you hear from conservatives – is that the government doesn't know what they're doing and you're creating an employee that's going to have a pension that's going to cost all this money that we can't afford. Um, well, the people are doing great work. I mean, they're doing everything we're doing maybe in Florida. In Florida. Why is their death rate higher? Is it higher around schools or just in general? Because Florida is a disaster, but what about around schools? You know? I, I don't know the specifics on that. I, just, I think it's the deadliest pedestrian state yeah. in the country. I don't doubt that. I've ridden my bike there. So, and you know, it's a, because there's a lot of retirees, a lot of people from outside the country. Is it because they're, they're their roads are designed kind of, like like insane highways everywhere? Huh. You know, um, from what I could tell. Yeah. So I'm not sure, but uh, it does bring up an interesting point. Like. <laughs> You know, the government's funding it to do it, but if they hired staff instead, it might be less expensive and possibly more effective. I don't know. It's I mean, possible if we had, I mean, I've worked for the city of L.A. as a traffic, actually. Uh, yeah, you know this. Yeah, I worked at, at, <laughs> at uh, I wish I still could, I wish I still had that job. I sort of faded away from it, but um, I was working for uh the Griffith Observatory and directing traffic. So you're out there with a yellow vest directing traffic. And I took my job very seriously. I don't and doubt I, that you did. And, and I was I was kind of like an authoritarian traffic like dictator in a way. And did people avoid your intersection? Don't go that way. That's road They had no is. choice. They had no choice. And I actually That's funny. I set up a cone I took it way too seriously. And I was working alongside people that did not give a crap about the job. <laughs> they were just young people. And they're like, this guy's insane. And I, I set up cone cro- like barricades that like forced cars to have to take a slowdown at the crosswalk on this big, long road going past the Greek. And I just remember my boss coming by in his, in his uh, pickup truck, the city vehicle. He's like, hey, get those cones out of the road. <laughs> I was, just gonna I was trying you. to make the case to him. I'm like, wait a minute, but it's making them. And he's like, just get them out of the road. <laughs> I, I think it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> to put the cones up like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, 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 well, we were on park property. So we had we had cones up for other things, too. Okay. We were, we were, it, was a, it was a zoo. 
Yeah, you did, I can I, imagine. I, the reason I started working there is because I designed the... I helped. I had a big part in, in the traffic in, plan. In area. the traffic plan, yeah, 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 with the buses, the dash buses, right. and I wanted to continue working on it. And so I was like, oh, I want a job here, and they they hired me, and it paid like the minimum. You know, it was like fifteen bucks an hour, and to put cones down to to help <laughs> people get across the street right. too. And I was very proactive, and I was into it. But to tell you the truth, it's it's like just exhausting too. It's yeah. like the heat. Um, walking all day, There's the thanklessness because the drivers are just crazy. They are crazy. And there's yeah. a lot of them. You're way outnumbered. Way outnumbered. Right. Yeah, and that's just an example of like you do this stuff on paper and you're like, okay, this is how it's going to work. And then you go out there and it's just a mob scene. Yeah. And you have to change everything. And I think the LADOT, you know, it's like you got these engineers up there and you you know, you get out on the street, you have these idealistic plans and you get out on the street and it's a mob scene of car yeah. culture and you f- almost want to just give up. Totally. You know? so. Totally. I, I, that happens every now and then, you know, fortunately I don't have to drive a lot, but every now and then I'll get stuck actually here in Hollywood and at certain times of the day it's five lanes in both directions completely backed up, right, for miles. <laughs> and it's really really easy to get lost in that and realize you can't build enough bike lanes or bus lanes or trains <laughs> to solve this. It, it's just too vast. And it's you, you start to feel your soul just <laughs> getting sucked away. And then I'll get an email or a text or a picture from a parent whose kid just learned how to ride uh-huh. a bike from our program or is enjoying the bike that he got at one of our events or is now biking to school because of something we did and it changes everything. You just realize it's one at a time. So when you're, you know, it's <laughs> literally you're saving the world one kid at a time. So when you're setting out those cones and you're directing traffic, if one person learns to cr- look both ways before they cross and one car slows down enough for them to cross safely, yeah. you've done your job. <laughs> You got you got to focus on the the victories. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, because it's a it's a that's great, Jim. <laughs> it's a vast problem. Nick, you're back. You're back. <laughs> How's it going over yeah. there? Did you just put the kids to bed. Did you change the diaper? That's the question. I I gave a that's I, where he was. I gave her a bath. We had a long talk about this. You that's gave her a bath up. while we were on the air. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Hey, good job. Thank you. I think we should close it out. I, I think the vision of Jim Shanman here is our Mr. Rogers <laughs> for the bike scene. I need, um, I need a meme for that. I say that with ultimate, ultimate love because <laughs> like, I saw that documentary last night and I was just like so taken back. Like, yes, that's what, this is, that's what needs to happen. So thank you, Jim, for, for your 10 years of, of uh, bringing the kids up in Culver City. That's and, where it started. Yeah. You know, these little cities around Los Angeles are doing things generally right. Santa Monica, Culver City, Long Beach. Even Beverly Hills is jumping on board. They are. And Burbank, you know, and someday the traffic sewer that is Los Angeles will eventually update its infrastructure to the point where, you know, kids can cross the street I safely. Mean, L.A. is just so big. You know, it's so vast. Yeah. Where, do you, where do you even begin to, to tackle that beast? I mean, when we, when we started all this, that was my goal, was to transform LAUSD, right? And you realize what a beast it is. And you, then I learned there's 87 other cities in the county. <laughs> <laughs> 
that aren't doing very much. So if we focus on those cities, yeah. we can affect change in far greater numbers than Banger and I, I, I guess with LA City, it's like council district by council district. Yeah, that do doesn't it. help either. And school district no? by school district. So because, you know. I they, mean, Mike Bonin's like a shining light. Yeah. And he surrounds yeah. Culver City. He's our next door neighbor, yeah. to be sure. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some some bright lights out there. And L.A., you know, they're, they're trying. It's not like they're sitting on the sidelines picking their noses. They, You're talking about the agency people? They're trying. L.A.D.O.T., Metro, Bonin's office. I got a question that, they're, though, they're because there's, there's factions in the L.A.D.O.T., like, like – that go around raising speed limits. Are you, you going to go dark on us in our last minute here? No, but still. <laughs> okay. Yes. There there are elements in the LADOT. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. I <laughs> go dark so often. They're trying, but it's a big it's a big beast. And so yeah. Yeah, yeah. they should get some, you know, some credit for making the effort and not sitting by. Okay. All right. We'll give you some credit, LADOT. <laughs> we got to get some LADOT people in here. That would that would be great. We're we're working on a project with them right now, actually, oh, along, along with LACBC. And uh, so, yeah, it's been put on hold because of the whole virus and the school dynamic, and it's shifting so crazily that we're just kind of sitting back and waiting right now. But yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, I want to hear about that. We got to get yeah. an update from you when that happens. What's the project called? Um, it's a it's a safer school pro- program. Colin Bogart is overseeing it. Um, the the focus of the program is to train the middle school PE teachers to teach bicycle education during PE. Wow! And okay. then we provide community events so they can take that education and put it into practice in a different kind of environment. Um, it's like a double whammy kind of program. Another so. beautiful memory from from school was when there was Bike Day, yeah. and we rode our bikes to that park. And uh, we were so excited about all our bikes. We were so excited. It was third grade. I remember to this day, I had a, I had a mongoose bike. And, Love uh, it. Yeah. Anyways, it's, yeah, it's just, okay, that's a hopeful way to end this show. Yeah, right? that is. <laughs> so, Nick, do you have any more um, derailments for us? <laughs> I had a mongoose, too. Did you really? <laughs> Not me, yeah. I had a stingray. Oh, really? A Schwinn stingray. A Schwinn stingray. <laughs> sissy bar and everything. Banana seat, sissy bar. What is it called? It had a banana seat and, a, you know, it had a sissy bar, a big tall bar on the back. They called it a sissy bar? That's Yeah, because that way, you know, I guess because wimps would lean up against it and hold on tight. Oh, uh, I, I had a banana bike. Yeah, that's right. I had a banana seat right before the mongoose. I realized you needed a BMX bike <laughs> um, to get with the older kids in the neighborhood who all had BMX bikes. Um, anyways, back in the day, back in the day, um, that could be another segment, right? Nick, back in the day. Yeah. All yeah. Right. We could use that song back in the day. Is there one? When I was young. I'm not a kid anymore, but sometimes I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the day. Nick, you are on a good one. <laughs> I think we need to do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was um, Bike Talk. We had Jim Shaman. What, what are the uh, web addresses? Uh, www. Dot. <laughs> <I> love- <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it because there's people out there okay, that okay. don't get that, right? Okay. Uh, walkmorebikemore.org. Walkmorebikemore.org. All right. There it is. There it is. Thanks, everybody. Did Thank we- you. Yeah. yeah it's been fun. Time, You're very welcome. All right. Peace out. Bike Talk, KPFK live stream. We'll see you next Friday. 
the bike and I'm on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Green in the green, I'm saving the planet. Just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint up your ass. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.